morning. We are back in our study through 1 Corinthians, talking about the church, the call, and the challenge of holiness. We find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, and um, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we will begin to see Paul now turn his attention to really another important subject uh, that needs to be discussed within the modern church today, but clearly an important discussion that was happening and needed to happen amongst the Corinthian Christians as well, and that was the discussion of spiritual gifts and how Christians should use those gifts not only for the edification of other brothers and sisters in Christ, but ultimately to use those gifts for the glory of God. Now, before Paul gets into this chapter, a chapter that I'm sure as you begin to peruse now, you'll begin to see and realize, oh, this is a familiar passage to us this morning, but before he gets into talking about the spiritual gifts and how we are united in those gifts, Paul's actually going to open with a brief but very important word and encouragement on the understanding of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, for today's church and Western society, I believe that this is an issue that we often overlook within the church. You see, many of us want to go ahead and get quick to the point of where we can serve we get quick to the point of what gifts has the Lord given us so that we can faithfully serve. And ultimately what we miss is the fact that the first gift that the Lord has given to us is the fact that we can look to him as Jesus Christ as Lord. You see, too many churches today are trying to build a brand. Too many churches are trying to build an identity and yet they have lost sight of remaining focused on the one who was actually doing the building in the first place. There are too many Christians in Western society today who think and feel that they shouldn't follow biblical elders, biblical leaders, biblical authority, biblical churches. They think and feel and believe that they shouldn't be a part of biblical churches because that particular church doesn't meet their own personal interests or may not even meet their own personal feelings or needs. You see, there are too many in a culture that believe that Jesus and God are only useful as long as Jesus meets their needs. They believe that they can take Jesus and say, Jesus, I'll use you when I need you, and then ultimately you will go back into this box that I have created for you. And unfortunately, the Jesus that we serve does not fit in a box created by man. If anything, he fits upon the throne that he is seated upon, that he himself has created, and that is the only place the Lord will be yes. seated high and mighty upon his throne. But yet here in Western society, we believe that we can fit Jesus into our little box. You see, Jesus Christ and the worship of our Lord have become such a mockery in our society that even a very secular, very worldly-driven hip-hop artist has recently thought to himself that it would be a good idea to make a Christian album just to make money, even though his goal has been to make a mockery of Jesus since day one. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm praying for this individual. I am praying that God would humble him. I am praying, along with many other, others who think to themselves, man, wouldn't it be something if in the middle of this mockery, all of a sudden this man repents of his sin and comes to faith while attempting to make a mockery of our great God. You see, the reality is this. If Jesus Christ is truly Lord, then there is not a soul nor a heart that he can pierce with the good news of who he is. 
And so, along with many others, we are praying for this individual. You see, here's the reality. Whether you're in the church or you're in the world, we get so focused on the next steps that we miss who Jesus Christ is. We get so focused on, Lord, make me a better person, or, or the 12 steps of being a better Christian, or the 13 steps of, of being a better husband, father, mother, or wife, that we forget what it is that we have before us. We forget who it is that we now belong to. We forget the one who has been doing the work all along, and his name is Jesus, and he alone is Lord. In other words, as a church today, as believers in Christ, we are under his authority. As a church today, he alone is sovereign. As a church today, his plans alone are providential. And if we don't like what is happening in the word of God, if we don't agree with what it is the word of God has taught us, if we are unwilling to submit ourselves to the word of God, then here's the reality for us today. We have an authority issue. Jesus is not the problem. We are. And if we have an authority issue, then we may very well have a lordship issue as well. You see, this is exactly where Paul is with the Corinthian Christians and where we find ourselves in our passage today. You see, Paul literally says to them, even before we get into a discussion about the spiritual gifts that the Lord has given to us, we must first understand that Jesus alone is in charge. And as a body today, we are now called to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and therefore not create our own way, because the reality is our own way will only lead to destruction. Now that's a lot to say and unpack, but that's exactly where we find Paul in the first three verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to join with me now. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And if you can and you found yourself in the Word, then I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Again, Paul writing to the Corinthian Christians, by the grace of God, as led by the Holy Spirit, writes these words. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now again, if you have read this chapter or spent any time reading this chapter before or you're beginning to read it now, you're going to begin to notice that we are beginning a section on spiritual gifts. And the bulk of this chapter is actually spent on talking about the different gifts that are offered and how we are now called uh, to be equal or unified even though our gifts may be different. So God be the glory for that. However, before we get there, Paul wants the church to understand that these gifts are assessed and given by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You see, when the, the church gathers, Paul acknowledges that there has to be some sort of order to what we do. There has to be some sort of 
order to how we are led. And ultimately what Paul says in these first three verses is that it begins with Jesus Christ. So everything we read from verse 3 and following throughout chapter 12 into chapter 13 and following into chapter 14, we need to see and understand that our baseline for the remainder of this text, even the beginning of this text that we've already read, must begin with who Jesus Christ is in our lives. And so this morning, as those who call themselves Christians, this morning as those who are brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to ask ourselves, is Jesus Christ truly the Lord of my life? You see, here's the reality. We can say it all we want. We can say that Jesus Christ is Lord all we want because it's always true of who Jesus is. You see, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, Jesus Christ is Lord. But the reality for us this morning is this. Do we now live? Do we now speak to one another as if Jesus is the Lord of our lives? Now, before we move forward, we have to understand a basic working definition of the word lordship, which for just, again, all intents and purposes this morning, generally speaking, lordship means having supreme power over or rule over. So like we said last week, what we need to do today is some examination of our own lives and answer the question this morning, is Jesus Christ truly the Lord of my life? And if so, and I truly believe those words, then how is this now seen and lived out in my life? Now from the text this morning, Paul's going to give us a very simple truth when it comes to lordship. He would probably say it this way. If you truly believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ, then you should be able to say and affirm these words. I need to understand that Jesus Christ is supreme over all. I need to understand, know, and believe that Jesus Christ rules over all. And as a believer in Christ, I am to follow Jesus according to his word. Not my will, but his be done in my life. So let's now look back at this text and see how Paul leads the Corinthian Christians to this very same conclusion. At the same time, he's going to teach the Corinthian Christians two lordship issues that they need to avoid and how we as believers in Christ along with the Corinthian Christians are now called to look to Jesus as Lord in all things no matter what may come. So our first lordship issue we see is in verse 1, and that is this. A lack of understanding is a lordship issue. A lack of understanding is a lordship issue. Look at verse 1 again with me. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, I want us to notice how Paul is now moving us from one subject to another. He moves us from the Lord's Supper to now talking about spiritual gifts. And like our last section, Paul is probably responding to either a word that he has been given from the church of Corinth or perhaps a letter, and they probably ask some questions like they did a week ago about the Lord's Supper. This week they're asking questions about spiritual gifts. And again, Paul's goal throughout this letter is the same. He wants to unify the church 
for the glory of God. And so what we see Paul then do is he begins to talk about spiritual gifts that the church has been given. So clearly Paul wants the church to be informed about these gifts. And so Paul says these words, I want you to be completely and fully informed about what it is that the Lord has now entrusted to you. In other words, Paul wants the church to have wisdom. Paul wants the church to practice and to have understanding and not just simply assume things based on little to no knowledge. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to realize that in this first verse, Paul is giving us a word that we ourselves need to understand this morning. This is important because too often, as, as Western Christians today, we act in a way that shows that we know very little about the Word of God. You see, we come into churches today, and I use we generally. We walk into churches today, and we assume things about the church before they even get started in worship. We assume things like, because the church started a minute late, chances are they're lazy. We assume things about the authority within the church. We assume things about the authority of the Word of God, and we do all this without ever reading or understanding what it is that the Word of God has called us to. And so what Paul says to the church today is simple. He says, listen, before you move forward, before you respond, or better yet, you react, are you doing so in such a way where you have sought understanding from the Lord? Are you doing so in such a way where you have sought understanding according to the word of God? Now, this is important because we live in a day and a time where, where people just react to things. I mean, I, don't, I, I really I try not to do this myself. I don't understand it, though. It's like something happens in the news, like a sound bite goes out, and everybody, because we all have social media, everybody has to respond. Why? You're literally regurgitating what someone said 30 seconds before you. Why does it matter? And chances are we're responding to, to sound bites where we have no idea what has actually been said around that sound bite. So thus what we have before us is a bad assumption about what has been discussed for probably hours. We also abandon people without understanding. You see, we now live in a society where all of a sudden people can come up to us and, and tell us things about people and, and we make decisions without ever seeking understanding or without ever going to the person. Why? Because here's what we do now in today's society. We think doom and gloom all the time. And yet here's the reality. When someone comes up to us about another person or someone makes a decision, the first question we need to ask ourselves or maybe even ask the person we're talking to is this. What is it about what you are telling me affirms or coincides with the word of God? And oh, by the way, not based on your interpretation of the word of God because you're trying to make it fit. I'm talking about what the word of God actually says. You see... We have become so negative. We have become so heartbroken. We, we wake up every day and instead of saying, this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. We wake up and think, God, 
what horrible thing is going to happen to me today? And here's what happens when we do that. When that is our attitude and our posture as we wake up, we have neglected considering what it is the word of God has actually called us to. Thus, as Paul says, our lack of understanding. When he says, I want you to understand, I want you to be informed. Our lack of understanding now leads to an assumption that shows that we have a lordship issue. So as believers in Christ, we need to cling to the word. We need to cling to understanding what it is that the word teaches us. Sure, things are going to happen in life that we don't agree with. Sure, things are going to happen in life that are difficult. Sure, we're going to be faced with challenges. Sure, we're going to be faced with decisions that we may or we may not like. But at the end of the day, we have to come back to the word of God and say, Lord, what is it about this moment that you were teaching me according to your word? Because I want to respond based on understanding, not based on assumption. But Paul continues from there and he says, listen, your lack of understanding is not only the only issue and the problem, but at the same time you have a second problem and that is this. You are being led astray by idols, which in and of itself is also a lordship issue. Notice how Paul begins to talk about the past of the Corinthian Christians because he understands that for those who lack understanding, what is their general response? They go back to what is comfortable. It's what they do. And so Paul says in verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Now, you would think at this point that it would not be possible for the believers in Christ to be led astray, that the Corinthian Christians wouldn't be led astray because of the hope they now have in Christ. Yet, this is exactly what was happening to the people. They were, they were literally resorting back to what was comfortable before they had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul reminds them, you were pagans. In other words, Paul says to them, hey, remember who you were in your pre-Christian days. Remember what it is that you were doing before you came to faith in Christ. Paul was telling the church, look, remember who you were. Remember where you were. Remember where it was, where it was that you had come from. And do yourself a favor. Don't be tempted to tread that path again. You see, in their past days, the Corinthian Christians had been led astray to mute idols. Paul literally says, listen, you used to be under the authority of false gods. You used to place things and stuff and people ahead of the one true living God. You used to follow things that ultimately, as you came to realize, were just useless endeavors and they were futile in your efforts in following them. And so Paul says this to remind the church that following back after them, looking back to your idols, looking back to what was, looking back to your sin-filled life, reveals yet another lordship issue. And so he reminds them, don't forget how worthless your idols were. They pale in comparison 
to who Jesus Christ is. In fact, in Psalm 115, verse 5, in speaking of the idols, it says this of them, and they have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. Now, the psalmist probably had in his mind some sort of golden image or statue at this point, but I believe this is true of our idols today as Christians. You see, today we follow hard after stuff. We follow hard after dreams. We follow hard after people. And if we're not careful in the midst of following hard after those things, we will abandon and neglect the hope that comes from understanding the word of God. In fact, in following hard after all these things and all this stuff, we may begin to notice that all of a sudden we don't have time for the word of God. And so the word of God begins to slip our mind until all of a sudden we realize it's the Bible itself that's sitting on our nightstand doing nothing more than collecting dust and being a place that we put our cell phones. And so the psalmist says, these idols in your life, they can't see truth. These idols in your life, they can't speak truth, especially a truth that comes from the word of God. The psalmist says even when we follow them, we do so blindly and and without a word of even questioning them. And this is true of anything that now takes the place above the word of God. This is true of anything that takes the place above the Lord our God and above our worship of him even when it comes to being a part of the gathered body of believers. You see, too oftentimes people have neglected worship and said, I don't need to be a part of worship. And Paul says, think again. Because what you're now following, you're following blindly. The Bible is clear on the fact that we need to be gathered together. Flip over to Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 5, and it says this about idols. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field, and they cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. So do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do good. Now here was a word from Jeremiah from the Lord speaking to the people about idols. And the Lord himself says, listen... This thing that you have put upon, uh, above the sovereign throne of God, this thing that you have, you have placed upon the sovereign throne of God, yeah, that thing can't speak. That thing that you think is more important than the word of God, that thing that you think is more important than the Lord of God, yeah, it can't move without you carrying it. And no one fears them, for they can do nothing. And yet, what do we do? We, like the people in Jeremiah's day, we, like the people in Jesus' day, remember at the, at the point of crucifixion before Jesus is crucified, was it the people that were standing there saying, give us Jesus Christ, our Lord? No, they were not. We, like the people in Paul's day to the church at Corinth, we blindly go after the things that take the place of our time and our worship to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But here's something I want us to pay attention to about this passage in Jeremiah. So just kind of like a footnote, okay? All right? It's, it's this. Notice how the passage begins with their idols. What's interesting about that phrase, their idols, is in the Hebrew, that word could actually be interpreted not just their idols, but they. 
In other words, it's possible that the Lord was not only talking about the idols in the life of believers, he was talking about the believers themselves. He was saying that it was the people of God who were blindly following. He was saying that it was the people of God who had become mute. He was saying, hey, it's the people of God who have to be carried because they don't understand the word. They don't understand who is Lord in their life. And so here's the truth of what happens when we go back to our old ways of doing things, when we resort back to what is comfortable, when we constantly look back, placing things and placing people above God, then the reality is we are the ones who are blind. We are the ones who are mute. We are the ones who need to be carried off because we are not faithfully following the Lord. We're not faithfully looking to the Lord. We're not faithfully living for the Lord. We're not faithfully looking at the word of God and saying, Lord, in my life, you do as you please. Because my life is yours. So brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to ask you this morning, what person or thing has such a hold on your life that it is taking you away from the word? What has now taken your ability to speak away? What has taken away your ability to move according to the will of the Lord? And some of you would look at me and say this morning, Pastor, nothing. Nothing. In fact, all the things that I have in my life... This, this, this podcast, this thing, this, this YouTube, this, this particular pastor, this particular person that I look to, all of this makes me feel spiritual. All of this leads me to a spiritual experience. All of this makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm near to the Lord because I feel good about what I'm doing. And in two verses, Paul would say to you today, you believe that? Good. You know who else has spiritual experiences? You know who else has feelings? Pagans. You see, they get the goosebumps as well. They get in the feelings as well. They get into the feel goods as well. But here's the reality. If it's not affirmed within the word of God, then it should be treated as an idol. You see, I'm not trying to say this to, to just hammer away on anyone in the room or just to make you walk out and feel like, man, it's a cold Sunday and Pastor came in fired up because he loves the weather. He just wanted to feed us senseless. No, I do love the weather, by the way. I'll take this for a little while. And if you want to disagree, we can talk later over a hot cup of coffee. You see how that works? Okay. What I do want you to see is this. I want you to see how easy it is to be led into misunderstanding and a misunderstanding that leads us back into what is comfortable only to realize what is comfortable is really an idol in our life. And we're not really being faithful to what it is the Word has called us to. It's just that simple. You see, Paul says, don't let the idols take the place of the word of God in your life. Don't let idols take the place of worship to God in your life. Don't, take, don't let idols take the place of the local church in your life. So I want to ask you this morning, what is your idol? 
Has your job become your idol? So much so that when you, you work, maybe you work six days a week, God bless you if you do, you work hard, that all of a sudden you wake up on Sunday mornings and say, because of my job, I can't go to worship? Sounds like an idol. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's friends in your life. I can't go to church because of what this person said, or I can't go to church because of, of what I did all weekend long, and so now I'm exhausted and I need a day off. Be careful. Your relationships may be becoming an idol. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe you sit back and say, man, I miss how things used to be. We're, we're beyond the glory days now. We're, we, the glory days have, have come and gone in the life of the church. Be careful. Because if you start thinking that way, you've made the past an idol. You see, I want to I agree with, with my post-millennial friends. I think our best days are ahead of us. Amen. But let me bring it back. I, <laughs> I had to throw him something. We can close in prayer now. <laughs> you see, I believe that God is the God of the church now. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord now. I don't believe the best days of the church are in the past because I believe that there are still biblical Christians who want to faithfully follow the word of God and be a part of a biblical church. Therefore, I believe the church's best days are now. And they will get better. You see, it's very easy for us to fall backwards. It's very easy for us to idolize people and things and not even realize that what we're doing is idol worship. It's very easy for us to, to bail in a heartbeat because people leave. It's easy to bail in a heartbeat because people leave and because we want to listen more to them than the actual word of God that's being preached. And we have to be careful. Maybe not necessarily because of these people, because it is possible that there are good things in our life that can hinder us from what it is that the Lord has for us in the here and the now. Can I say to you today, you are not here by accident. You're not here because you woke up and you drove in. You're here because you serve and worship a sovereign God. And it is by his grace that you have been led here because you have come to this place because Jesus Christ is Lord. Brothers and sisters, stay close to the word. Examine all things according to the word and not according to your idols. And then Paul says this, before you turn away from understanding, before you turn back to your idols because of your assumptions and your lack of understanding, Paul says this, do neither of those things. Rather, he says, hear this word. And then he gives us a word of hope, which is found in verse 3. You see, Paul teaches us that we should just look to Jesus as our only hope. So notice in verse 3 how Paul gives us really 
one more issue that should lead us to a word of hope. So for my Star Wars fans in the room, sorry, Obi-Wan is not your only hope. He's going to fail. Spoiler. Verse 3. It says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Clearly, verse 2 and verse 3 are now tied together because of the use of the word therefore. However, before we make that connection, I want us to understand that when Paul says, I want you to understand, he is saying to the Corinthian Christians and to us today that what it is that he's about to say may be the most important thing that you could hear. So they, along with us, should pay careful attention to what it is that Paul is about to say. And then Paul says it. No one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. In other words, Paul's literally saying, look, you can't say that you believe in the Lord and then curse God because his word calls you to now submit to him as Lord. That's not how this works. Now, there are some scholars who thought that maybe in this moment, Paul was being a little bit more harsh here, saying that the people were literally cursing Jesus and just walking away from the faith. Well, I don't think that's, that's what the people were outright doing here. I don't believe that they were outright rejecting Jesus in this moment, because how could you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and then in the same breath, reject him? Besides, I think if that was what was actually happening, Paul would probably have more to say about this particular passage to the Corinthian Christians about what it means to reject Jesus. And as it stands, the language itself does not support that argument. Not to mention, it flies directly in the face of Romans chapter 10, verse 9, which teaches that if you confess him with your lips and believe with your heart, then you will be saved. So we have to ask the question, how can you be saved if you clearly don't believe when you reject Jesus? But rather, what Paul is speaking to is the fact that you have to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. It can't be just lip service all of a sudden. You have to know that Jesus Christ is Lord because you know and understand that it's Jesus who supplies the gifts that you and I now possess. Whereas for those who believe in their own gifts, thinking that they are the ones who have brought people into the church by their own talents, they are declaring themselves as sovereign. And Paul says, no, no. You might have been the messenger, but you're not the one who pierced the heart. You might have been the one who who in faith, because of the command of God, spoke good news, but you're not the one who put the good news in their soul. Paul continues, and he says, man, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit, which for Paul means that our number one priority should be to speak, to act, to look, and to live as if we are seeking to glorify the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
In other words, I like what Richard B. Hayes says about this particular passage. He says, those who are inspired by the Holy Spirit will speak and act in the ways that glorify the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, looking and living or confessing that Jesus is Lord is not an act of human insight. But rather, it represents the active work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we declare with our voice and our hearts and our lives that He alone is Lord. And so I want to ask you today, what is your declaration? And do we understand that our call and our ability to declare Jesus Christ as Lord is based on how we look at Jesus I want you to hear that today because there's a lot of people feeding us today. There's people who are feeding us division. There are people who are feeding us heartache. There are people who are feeding us burn the church down and they claim to be Christians. And the problem is that's not what the Bible says. There's also people who are speaking of unity. There are people who are speaking of moving forward. There are people who are speaking remain fast in the hope of the Lord, no matter what he calls us to. And when we compare their words to the word of God, we see that these are the people who are speaking truth. So I want to ask, who are we looking to this morning? Are we looking to Jesus are we looking to him as if he truly is our only hope? Or do we believe that there is something we can do on our own or someone else we can follow on our own? You see, when it comes to the gifts that we have been given, we can either declare our own sovereignty as if we were the ones who did something amazing, or we can look to Jesus, who by his lordship, by his Grace has given each of us gifts to be used for the edification of the church and to glorify God. So I ask again, who or what are you looking to? Are you looking to your own abilities? Are you looking to others? If you're looking to others, I hope you're following the ones that say, hey, follow my example as I seek to follow Christ. Are you looking back to your history? Or are you looking to Jesus Christ today? Saying, Lord, no matter where, no matter when, no matter how, you alone are Lord. You will always be Lord. And I will always follow you. See, the thing that we need to remember today from this text is that Jesus Christ is bigger than any one thing. Jesus Christ is bigger than any one idol. Jesus Christ is bigger than multiple idols. Jesus Christ is bigger than any one person. So as long as the word is central to who we are, then our hope should always be in Jesus Christ, no matter what may change, no matter what may come. To God be the glory, for Jesus Christ alone is Lord. You see, for Paul, he wanted the Corinthian Christians to understand this one fundamental truth. And I'm going to say it again if you haven't picked up on it. Jesus Christ.
Christ is Lord. Wait, I did that my way. That was backwards to you. Let me try it again. Jesus Christ is Lord. Look better? And yet, here's what we do. We wrestle with that term. But here's our reality. As we said earlier, it doesn't matter what we think or what we say. Jesus Christ is Lord whether we want to acknowledge it or not. So the question for us this morning is this. You say it, but do you believe that Jesus is Lord? You see, for the Corinthian church, they had lost their understanding. And that was a lordship issue. They had gotten so blinded by everything happening around them, in them, among them, that they had forgotten their understanding of who the Lord is. And in the midst of of losing that understanding, they had jumped into this, this assumption issue. Where all of a sudden they said, you know what, I'll just surrender. And instead of surrendering to the Lord, they surrendered back to what was comfortable. They surrendered back to their idols. And thus they had a lordship issue. And Paul says to them, brothers and sisters in Christ, look with hope to Jesus Christ. For he alone is Lord. Never forget that. The gifts that you have the abilities that you have, the opportunities that you have, the hope that you have, the trust that you have, the blessings that you receive, all come from the Lord. So no matter what may come, no matter what may change, no matter what challenges we will be faced with, we need to remember that what we have, what we do, who we are, all because of the simple truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'll leave you with this quote this morning from Martin Luther who said it this way about this passage. He said, whatever your heart clings to, whatever your heart confides in, that is really your God. So what is your God today? Is it you? Is it your understanding or lack thereof? Is it your idol, or is it Jesus? As God's people, my prayer is that we would cling to the word, that we would continue to confide and place our hope in Jesus because it is his lordship that we are under. It is his care that leads us. It is his grace and his gifts that he has given to us for the edification of man, but ultimately for the glory of God. So I ask you again today, who is your Lord? And my prayer is that you would say, above all else, in my life, Jesus Christ is Lord. To God be the glory for what he's done. To God be the glory for what he is doing. Let's pray.